What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. You ready? Why'd you ask me this every week? I send because you the links. I'm clearly ready. Because it's it's not just about... No, I'm not... No. <laughs> it's about spiritual no. readiness. Well, no, no, I'm never spiritually ready. There we go. Exactly. Okay. There well, we go. Leave we me go. alone and get on with it. Hello and welcome back to Stadio Podcast, Ringer FC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Yes, yes, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very well indeed. Yeah. Very well indeed. Yes, I'm great. Good. Yes, I saw, very quickly, I saw the new Bond movie recently. And the one thing I'll say about it, and no spoilers, is they tried to write James Bond and Daniel Craig's James Bond in particular. I got him huge credit. They tried to write him, and Daniel Craig played him, as if he was an actual human being with the consequences of what it means to actually be James Bond. And I really like that. Finally. I really like the realist. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the thing, what they've got to do then is now, now that it's played it so real, they've now got to go for a completely caricature Bond. They've almost got to go in the other direction now. You know, with anything, it's like music or whatever, or any, when you have a project that goes in one direction so far, you have to break the paradigm. So I expect the next one to be quite frivolous. Let me guess, there's someone bad wants something bad to happen and Bond has to go to Can I multiple say countries around the world to try and stop the bad thing from happening. And yeah, with, with no visa trouble in a pandemic. I mean, you know, yeah. what I did will he say- have to, This is the thing, right? He didn't even quarantine. Did, did James, I want to see James Bond <laughs> online fill out his passenger locator form and, wonder, <laughs> and, and try to book COVID tests, figuring out whether he needs an antigen or a PCR or whatever, <laughs> just get like a, like a quick test. I want to see James Bond do the admin. Who does the admin? <laughs> just that that's the movie i want to see actually i want to see that like oh, I've, i'm on I've, i'm chasing down this bad guy but i actually have to self-isolate for three days before where I does get he file out taxes where does he file taxes some of it's freelance work where i have a he... lot of questions so i'm not gonna lie i have a lot of questions. they should have called you know what they should have called it no time to quarantine <laughs> yes <laughs> hey shout out to billy eilish one of the best bond theme tunes in a long time I'd be Sounds, Eilish do it. Oh my goodness. Just, I'm, you know, not, I'm not a huge Bond guy, so. Well, me neither really, but then you see the list of the cast and you're like, oh, because you know, part of it with these films, you're like, oh, all the people agreed to it. When you see who signed on to be part of it, you're like, you know yeah, what? Rami this Malek's in it, fun. right? Oh my goodness. Can I say this actually? He's you know I love about Bond villains? Bond villains are so villainous. You know, like, <laughs> when, 
sitting in the cafe in Italy, minding your own business. And this guy walks in with this particular, like, you know, look on their face, just the way they're scowling. You're like, wow, that's a Bond villain. Like you, you could spot a Bond villain among other villains to the point where I think the other villains are jealous of them. I'm like, why don't I get to you like that? Why don't I get to like have that energy? Like they are, they're the premier, they're the premier villains. And Rami Malek, he's got, I got to say this, he's got the best eyes. He's great. Man. He's got incredible. There are some, um, you know, he's a twin, you know, right? Oh, wow. Oh yes. I remember this is, oh my, I remember this, the TV show and they brought the twin out and everyone was like, mm. oh my goodness. The twin is like, because he's like, he looks like him, but he's got his own twist and vibe. Yeah. But like great. equally attractive, but like got his own energy. Yeah. And he's, he's a lot of fun as well. He's just like a cool guy. You're a Bond villain. You'd be a Bond, <laughs> you'd be a Bond villain. I've, the, the roll neck and one of those jackets that Rude Hullet common, common, uh, complimented you on. Oh, did Bond I mention villain. that? Sorry. Did I, can I say this? That's one of the nicest, and that's one of the nicest five things you've ever said to me. That is, that's well, made my life such a huge compliment. Someone that knows me so well that makes the assessment. I'm, oh my goodness. I think that would be you, you, you kind of revealing yourself as a Bond villain, I think would probably be the, <laughs> the, free, final the freest you felt since you came out as bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have I to hide it anymore. I'm actually a villain. <laughs> I'm actually a villain. It would also be the least surprising thing ever after done Stadio. Yeah. Of course, we, Moose has actually got some weird <laughs> underground lair in like East Berlin and he's, I don't know. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny about all of this? Interpol would be chasing going, oh my goodness, has anyone, we had no idea. Everyone's on CNN. All the Stadio listeners are like, oh, we told us. We were we trying to like, <laughs> nearly 200 episodes in, it was like, hello. <laughs> it's in plain sight. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, uh, good times. 007, no time to catfish. <laughs> Listen, there's always time to catfish. Do you know what? If you were in a Bond film, it'd be called No Time for Eights. And you'd just be hunting down all the number eights in the world. I think it would be called A View to a Catfish, actually. No, like if, Musa, if Musa was in charge of Squid Game, everyone would be 008. Everyone's number would be player, <laughs> player number eight. Player number eight. <laughs> oh, anyway, I'm glad you watched Bond. Well done. Thank you. How, how was your week anyway? Uh, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, fine. Some technical, well, I hope you enjoyed the international some, break. Yeah. We had some technical issues on Wrighty's house, which made yeah. Tuesday a long, a long day. But that was a good episode. In fact, let's do the admin. Let's do it. First of all, hope everyone's staying safe and well. Getting vaccinated if you can. Yes, yes. So Wrighty's house, up in the Ringer FC feed, you and Mioa were on there. And you gave some love to Brentford, which I thought was yes. a really nice uh, intro to the show. Talked about some Premier League struggles. Yeah, a little bit of Women's Super League and the Women's Champions League. It was recorded ahead of the games. We're going to talk about those today. Uh, also, just a quick one. Monday, there's no stadio. It's a bit different next week. But Wrighty's House will be up on Tuesday afternoon, European time. So you get Wrighty's House earlier. And you also get me and Musa on Wrighty's House. So there you go. No Stadio Monday, but Wrighty's House is up Tuesday, usually the same time that Stadio goes up, and it's the 50th Wrighty's House episode. It's amazing already, 50. So we're going to do an 11, but it's going to be, oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be something yeah. very specific to Wrighty. Yeah, we, I love it. I we're love just going to be there just to hear a load of these, these unbelievable names. You know what I love about the, the 11 as well we're going to do is that it's completely different for every player. That's what I love about it. It's so specific. So of course, good. your career. Yeah. So that will go up Tuesday and then Stadio will be on Thursday. So just no Stadio on Monday. But if you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. Be very kind. Unless it's bad, then you can <laughs> tweet out Gwanga. Bring it on. Bring all the smoke. <laughs> Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify. All the music we play out on each episode is in a playlist. Go and search for Stadio Outros on Spotify. Uh, so today we're talking about the Women's Champions League. The group games began this week. And we'll also touch on the Nations League because it was a feisty old game in San Siro My on goodness. Wednesday. Loved it. Commit to everything you do in the same way that Federico Chiesa commits to absolutely anything on a football pitch. But we'll yeah, talk so about that a little bit I thought you were going to say Luis Enrique just commits to everything. There is a man that takes to life. Quick Bond reference, and it's not a spoiler. There's a wonderful in the Bond movie when they're quoting a segment and they talk about the attitude towards life. And they say, the biggest compliment is to say that someone used their time. And Chiesa definitely uses his time. 
Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, and Luis Enrique is absolutely using his time as Spain coach, but we'll get into that. I mean, he's definitely used my time on this podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, let's get into the Women's Champions League after this this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube cars can be a big investment so it's important to take care of them I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it you know how you take care of a car you take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, man, where do you want to begin? Because we have to start Barcelona. Barca Femini, we have to really, actually. So Barcelona, obviously, reigning champions, beat Arsenal 4-1. A bit of a strange one from an Arsenal point of view, but we'll, we'll, we'll deal with Arsenal second. We'll start with Barcelona. I think it's really interesting, if you look around Europe this year, I wouldn't say that many sides have regressed per se, apart from obviously Manchester City, although I do think that a lot of that is down to injuries and, mm. you know, signing wise, they made some really good signings, Manchester City, but they've just got, they've had so many injuries all season. Yeah. That I think. You can't assess them in normal terms. Yeah. I think PSG are, they're not exactly firing yet. Wolfsburg, which we'll touch on, are a strange one to figure out actually. I mean, Chelsea as well. You've got, you got to look at Chelsea, get to the final last season. They, yeah. Even though I think like Emma Hayes was saying that there are signs of progress there, there were real issues with that Chelsea side. That yeah, they, and there, if, are, there if, are new issues. Yeah, new yeah. Issues and if they well. want to go, they want to really, really push to win the Super League. And if they want to push to go deep in the Champions League, they're going to have to fix them. Yeah. Barcelona and Leon are probably the two who are in that category of like favourites over the last couple of years who have actually not necessarily leveled up, but kind of leveled up or at least maintained. Yeah, Leon have maintained altitude, but Barcelona, if anything, can I say this? I, I didn't, I never thought I'd say this given the way they played in that final, but I think they've improved. I think they have. And that, that sounds like a strange thing to say, but um, the, the first half in particular, so they beat, you know, they beat uh, Arsenal 4-1. And that's, Weird enough, it's no shame. So, they, uh, that, so just the context of this, at home, I think they played 38 at that stadium, 138. And they've got an average of like five, the average result is 5-1. Five, five scored and like, no, look, less, less than a goal conceded. So the average result is basically 5-0 at home. This is the context of that game. And um, the first half in particular is, they had like 19 attempts and Arsenal didn't have any. And I, this is as good... Yeah, this is some of the best football I've seen. It's one of the best halves of football I've seen in the last however many years. And now the reason I say this is because Arsenal went there and I thought this is, we, we actually had a conversation about tactics, you and I in the chat, I think. I think they did the kind of the right thing. Like, I, I understand why they did what they did in terms of the approach they took. And they weren't doing, I think, a huge amount wrong. But the quality of Barcelona's movement and the angles of running and the way they switched the ball made small gaps look huge mm. and they made incursions. So like all the matchups that you expected Arsenal to address, Arsenal addressed carefully. But the way that Barcelona worked the ball, it was this weird combination of extremely, it was extremely patient. Actually, this is the thing. So they would hammer the ball backwards and play these triangles. And you saw that and thought to yourself, the reason why you can't really judge Arsenal too much for this is because for all the new players that, you know, they brought in and they've integrated the types of combinations Barcelona are doing, you've got like passing combinations of three, four configurations where, Bar where Macy Arsenal got one or two. And it's not the Barcelona playing from memory, but they're so well drilled at this point and they're so hungry. And also the players within the squad are very aware that if they underperform or for whatever reason, like Caldente, right, coming in, like Martins was amazing last year in the Champions League run off the bench this time. Osirola's finishing has gone to like, if you saw her like two years ago to now, her finishing's like, she's ruthless now, right? As opposed to before where, you know, she was on, she was on and she was having a bad day. It was, you know, it was 
It was either or. Mm. So it's like Barcelona are the gold standard, but somehow they've managed to improve the gold standard. I agree. They just look to have really refined even more yeah. their kind of like patterns of play. And I think this yeah. is quite interesting because Jonathan Giraldes, you know, only came in in the summer. Yeah. And it's kind of quite a similar impact to Jonas Edeval at Arsenal, if you think about it. Mm. You've seen the tweak in men, not necessarily mentality, but I think definitely intensity. I think this Barcelona side is even more intense, like you said. Flo said something really great in the in the Righty's House WhatsApp group about um, any missed touch and they're on you. But even for a side like Arsenal, I think is is just not a, a problem that they're used to facing too often. But there is something here. For example, I thought the fact that Arsenal started the game, it was something that I, I mentioned on Twitter and it was basically like, there's a really weird kind of middle ground to be had here because Barcelona are amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. You're playing the European champions. You know, Arsenal weren't even in the Champions League last season. However, I think that how Arsenal started the season, every game has been on the front foot. Mm. You know, they've been yeah. uh, aggressive, they've pressed, they've played the ball with like real speed and intensity and they've kind of blown to sides away. They blew Man City away. They beat Chelsea really early on in the season. They've just been playing really, really good football on the front foot. I think with players that are so used to playing football on the front foot already because they've kind of got it they look not automatic already this season, but they've looked definitely close to it. I think it can be a very, very tricky switch to make to all of a sudden then go onto more of a back foot right. switch because, yeah, you know that they're a better side. And Kevin Williams said something very interesting. He was just like, if you do go at them and give them the space, then they'll carve you open. But I said, well, actually though, we can leap to the chelsea Wolfsburg game as well because I think that what you saw from Wolfsburg is a side that kind of pressed Chelsea in a way that they haven't really been used to. Disrespectful. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, yeah. And Chelsea couldn't really deal with it. So I think that the only slight criticism that I have here is that I actually would have personally preferred to see Arsenal really step on it from the from the jump. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. I think that so few sides are prepared to try and do that to Barcelona that it's more of a mentality thing as opposed to a purely physical or tactical thing. Because, you know, Arsenal are already in that mindset of being like, okay, this is going to be really, really hard from the get-go and like we're going to be on the back foot the whole time. And you could kind of see it in those early passages of play. Like Arsenal looked like they were just, they were, to be honest, before the goal, it looked like Arsenal were hanging on. They yeah, could yeah. not get yeah. out really. Yeah. You then start to invite it and it almost becomes like a self-fulfilling thing. So that's the only thing that I would have, I would have, like to have seen different was actually I would have liked to see an Arsenal really go at Barcelona from the beginning because I think they have the players to, that are technically good enough to do so and also if you do lose then at least you've kind of done it in a way where you thought well attack is almost like the best form of defence if that makes sense No it makes complete sense it was funny because in Arsenal's mentality might have been looking at the PSG game last year the PSG tie against Barcelona and Barcelona looked, were genuinely rattled mm. And what, what the poison that worked for PSG there, or almost worked, was counterattack and set pieces. Extremely dangerous. And actually, there was still have a set piece issue, a little bit here, a set piece issue for Barcelona, um, which Arsenal would have known. And we saw them use that to good effect in the second half when they really like, you know, pulled things together a bit more. Um, but the thing that Barcelona are supreme at is identifying a weakness. They're not ashamed to, they're like one of those, you know, you know, those, you know those, they're not ashamed to like write 10 of the same song on an album. They're not mm. ashamed. Like they, if they find a weakness in one area, they will hammer it. And it was funny because last year it was more like the kind of the left flank, Lika Martins. And this year it was very much Caroline Graham Hansen on the right flank, mm. finding the overlaps of Oshola and going, going after that left back. And it was really, maybe it's a compliment to Noel Maritz. They didn't come half flank that often, mm. but then they found that gap and they found the combinations. It's not just on Steph Catley, it's the combinations, right? Mm. It's the way they play out. And the amount of space, if you watch that game again, if you watch this again, just the majority of chances coming down that flank, that inside corner, and the, the stretching, the spacing was was brutal. You know how it is, you defend as a unit, obviously. And we mm. saw this, and we'll get into the chelsea Wolfsburg game. The problem is not with the individual players and their defence, it's with the coordination, the defensive coordination. If you'd said before that game, we would have seen players of the calibre of Beth Mead, of Beth Meadamart, substituted that early, you would have said, no way. And I actually weirdly think I think I said this in the chat as well. I saw some real positives in the second half of Arsenal. Mm. I really liked the assertive substitution, the changes. I liked the renewed vigour. They came at them. Nikita Paris was impressive. And I think, you know, we've talked a thousand times about Barcelona. You have to contest them as width in the wide areas. You know, you've got to give them a problem, something new to figure out. And 
I thought Chelsea, and we'll get into that again in a second, have something quite smart out wide, but it feels like the moment teams are fixing things out wide, they're losing things centrally. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's almost like as you were in terms of Arsenal have improved, but then their competition has improved. I mean, obviously Arsenal got a goal back having been 3-0 down. Yeah. Alika Martins came on, scored a fourth for Barcelona. And then Alexia Patelis had a penalty saved by Manuela Zinsberger in stoppage time. Shouts to Tim Stillman who pointed this out, that Zinsberger has faced four penalties in her Arsenal career and saved all of them. Oh, wow. (laughs) Which is pretty wild. But from a Barcelona point of view, I think they'll be very, very happy with this. They've put another potential challenger away. However, I think for Arsenal, in a sense, this could be a good thing in the long run. I think when you explode out of the blocks in such a good way, I think to have a momentum check like this in a game that you were probably... Hmm, let's, let's, how to phrase it? Getting a check in a game like this that ultimately probably won't be that costly because I think that even though Hoffenheim were good, I still think Arsenal have got enough to get out of the group. I think that when the return fixture happens, you'll see a very different Arsenal. The other big fixture in match day one in terms of showpiece. Yes. Uh, Chelsea three, Wolfsburg three. So you will never learn, Musa. <laughs> Do you want to um, share with I everyone said, what you did? At about 20 minutes in, I said, this looks set to be a long and tiring night for Wolfsburg. Chelsea's movement up front is ruthless. Aye, aye, aye. Chelsea taking the lead with Sam Kerr. <laughs> Literally, I think a minute later, Chelsea make one of the worst defensive mistakes I think I've seen them make and Magda Eris in particular, like, you know, outstanding defender. Um, a long ball comes over the top. Ankerton Berg comes out. No one really comes for it. And Vasmuth just sneaks in and puts it into the bottom corner. And that was one all. And the funny thing with this goal was it seemed to completely destabilise Chelsea. Like until then, all their attacking rhythm, their movement was superb. I thought the chemistry of Kerr, Harder and England up front, which is a front three that, um, you know, I, I always feel like Harder and England are almost like doing a similar kind of job. Mm. But this this attacking chemistry was superb. Everything was right. They were playing on the front foot, as you said. And thereafter, I don't think they managed any real attacking cohesion for the rest of the game. Like, so the first 20 minutes and the, the last 70 were almost two different Chelsea's and the defensive issue, I don't know what it was, but it really seemed to rattle them because each of the goals that Wolfsburg scored, each, all three of them were major defensive lapses. Mm. Like if any one of those happened in one game, you can imagine Emma Hayes being like, that was unacceptable. But for all three of them to happen, yeah. I, w- I will give credit for one thing, the press being led by Lena Oberdorf, who at the age of 19 was brilliant again. Lady Oberdorf for Wolfsburg, um, I first heard about her through Jasmine Schreimler and I started checking her more after that because she's kind of the successor. She was at Essen before and Essen were brilliant in the cup final, which they lost in the end to Wolfsburg. And she sort of came through there and her development is probably even a couple of years ahead of expectation because she ran this game for long periods yesterday. And Wolfsburg, once they got into their groove, started treating the home ground almost like their own, really. And Chelsea were constantly scrambling. Like I mean, you know, that was such. It was so weird though because sorry, so strange, in, but like when yeah, they yeah, yeah, just yeah. before the goal, the first Wolfsburg goal, um, when it came up with that percentage stat, seventy-five twenty-five, seventy-five twenty-five, Chelsea Wolfsburg. Yeah, and I, I was thinking, wow, this is such a role reversal almost to when they met in the knockout stages a couple of years ago. Yes, yes. Um, not last year's per se, but like maybe when they were kind two of or three peak, years. It was, uh, it was 2018, I think. And Wolfsburg was so much better than, than Chelsea in that game and their yep. superiority really showed through. And this one, I was just like, wow, this is almost like just completely the opposite way around. But then Wolfsburg got that one goal back. And whilst I don't really think that they took charge of the game, they were just super efficient and they kind of grew in confidence when they saw that that Chelsea back yeah, in terms of her out. midfield ma- in terms of her midfield matchups Oberdorf I thought was brilliant but yeah, yeah Oberdorf is um, brilliant yeah, yeah. And, yeah but I think in terms of the overall yeah and then but the thing the thing was even though there were Chelsea errors to each goal two of those finishes two of the three required really smart finishes like Jill Rod's finish from the one where was it Oberdorf went in a nip? She pressed. Yeah, it was a bad pass out from Berger. Berger was trying yeah. to get to loopholes and loopholes was running back. Like it was, it was, you know, it's one of those ones where you almost overthink it. Mm. You know, and you're, you're like, I'm going to play out for the back. 
and there's no immediate option on, but your default is play out from the back. So you look for an option, mm. even though it's not the best. And the only available option was Luke Holtz, who was near the halfway line, mm. who ran back 15 yards and Berger was playing out straight down the middle over the penalty spot virtually. And Oberdorf was just on it. Mm. And then off to Joe right. Rod, and then Joe Rod's finish was like still a lot really smart. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the same with Tabia Vasmut. Like she scored the first, but the second, her second, Wolfsburg's third, was such a smart finish. It was a, like a yeah. really poor pass from Jess Carter, who was trying to go back to Berger. And Vasmut kind of like nipped in, but she still had quite a tight angle. On the angle, yeah, yeah. around Berger. And it was, a, it was another really, really smart finish. That put Wolfsburg 3-1 up. Beth England got Chelsea back into it with quite a scruffy goal. Both of mm. Chelsea's like second and thirds were, I think, were quite January FA Cup tie energy. They had the energy of like the mean? last minute cramming for the exam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when you just... We haven't even talked about Kurt, Sam Kerr's goal who opened in the scoring, which was like such, a, such yeah. a tricky finish to do. And she yeah, did yeah. it so smoothly. And the thing I love about Sam Kerr, and I think we were talking about it, is that like she had one chance just before that where she really missed hit. And I think she was... I think she was... I don't think she was offside. It was the second either, one after. Either, either, either side of the, the superb goal. Yeah, she had goal. two. Two, two scuffed probably yeah. easier chances that she completely scuffed. I think the second one, which came after the goal, she was offside for anyway. But yeah. then she puts, she just really coolly puts the really, really difficult one away. Yeah. Um, which is just typical Sam Kerr. She's, she can be absolutely deadly, but she's quite high volume. Yeah, good point actually. Yeah. And then right at the end, Penilla Harder gets an equaliser against her old club and is like, fuck there was, the no celebration. There was no music celebration at all. She was going wild. <laughs> it was really funny before that because like her, and, I think it was Penilla Harder and Felicitas Rauch had had a bit of a back and forth. They were Oh, of the penalty, the penalty shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they were going at each other and Felicitas Rauch was so angry. And I was saying to you, wasn't I? I was like, it's quite ironic that Rauch means smoke in German because like Felicitas like waited all the smoke. All of it, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was, I thought it was a penalty on Harder. Rauch on Harder. Like this is it funny because could have had one, yeah. you know what's funny as well about this. Like I saw was a game was it Wolfsburg Bayern and like the way the kind of runs that they were making, like the way that Rout got they went after her was similar to the way that Harder went after her in this game mm -hmm. as well. Like it's funny when you know a player and the tackles they like to, when you know a fullback and you know how they're going to commit. You know, like Ian was talking about um, when he was playing against David Weatherall, he knew that Weatherall wouldn't come in, and Harder knows how to run at particular players. You could really see that, but I, I thought that was a penalty actually. Definitely thought it was a penalty. Um, there I am. I've declared, I've declared it. Uh, Musa has declared it. I've declared it. <laughs> um, lots for Chelsea thinking. to think about. There is. And Wolfsburg, I think this would, I don't, I think this would be a bonus point for them. I don't think they probably would have expected to, well, to score three at King's Meadow. That's a really good um, confidence boost for them after the, the drop points in the Frauen against Freiburg. It's really, really good for them. And to show they can compete while missing, you know, a couple of huge players, I think we mentioned before in Wrighty's house, missing um, Alex Pop and missing Eva Payor. Mm. That's great for them. And Jill Rod settling. Yeah, settling I mean, Jill just Rod's amazing, man. I'm so, so, so gutted when she left Arsenal, but she's, she's, yeah, she's amazing. And that's a, that's a pretty good result after a disappointing point for Wolfsburg on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, just let's quickly dart around the other game. So Juve beat Servetta 3-0. And actually, it wasn't as comfortable as it looked. They had a missed penalty before that as well. They put in a pretty good performance, Servetta, but a good win for Juve. PSG made hard work of it against Breiderbeck. They ended up getting a late clincher to win 2-0. But they, again, they've not really caught fire this year so far. Yeah, but then they're strongest when they're counterpunching, mm. I think. You know, that the, the games I saw them most impressive is when they're like, they sit and then they hit you with speed and they're smart from set pieces. So maybe they'll take a white ball, but anyway. Uh, wins for Real Madrid. First goal and first win. Yes. 5-0 over Kurga for Hoffenheim. Katarina Narschenweng with an absolute screamer to open the scoring. So they're obviously level on points with Barcelona in that group. Arsenal and Kurga on zero points. However, there was a really good game in Lisbon. Benfica played Bayern and it was one of those super exciting nil-nil draws. Lena, yeah, uh, yeah. Lea Schuller had one chance where she hit the bar on that kind of overhead kick 
And she also put one just wide, which she probably someone like Leia Shuler's someone of Leia Shuler's quality, I think she'd wanna she'd wanna score. But that was a super good game and a good point for Benfica. Yeah, a bit of a disappointment for Brian, I think. Uh, I think so. Yeah, although probably not the worst thing in the world because Leon beat uh, Hecken in Hecken 3 0. Yeah. And we saw the return of Ada Hagerberg came on as a substitute after a long term injury. And that is really, really big for them. Also, just shout to the zone on the Women's Champions League because they've got the rights this year. I think they're global. And basically, you could watch all the games live. We're in Germany. You could watch the same coverage in England, I think, just with different commentators. Although they only had German commentators for the German teams here. All the rest were in English. Um, full games, highlights, nice little pieces in the middle as well. Half-time and stuff like that. I read it to YouTube as well afterwards. All on all YouTube. Yeah. This is it. Like access to watch the games was brilliant and just good, good coverage. It'd be great to see them add panels and stuff like that. Uh, like BT Sport did for in the, in England last season and the season before. But just really, really good to be able to watch these games in full and then highlights if you want afterwards. I just love the community feel of watching a game together. And like now with that, you don't, obviously because some games in the women's game, they haven't always had the best broadcast. Mm. You don't get that community feel so much. But like, sure enough, on Twitter, like last couple of days, it's just been so nice when you've got a ton of people listen to the podcast and just like, you know, follow the game generally anyway. Mm. We're just there, like just chatting, chatting tactics. Yeah, it was cool. Um, just quickly, following up from what we were talking about with regards to the NWSL on Monday, there were some real gestures of solidarity in the NWSL games in the week. Gotham played Washington Spirit in Philadelphia, actually, which was kind of like a home send-off for Carly Lloyd, who's retiring at the end of October. And apparently she'd never played a professional club game in Philly. Even though she was there, she was always away on international duty. So she's played there for the US Women's National I mean, side, she's got never played a big Philly energy as well. Like she's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, she's, that's the thing. So basically, they, there was like a, essentially like a send-off game for them. But a few minutes into the game, the ref blew the whistle and all of the playing staff came out and formed a circle, so like linking arms in the middle. Obviously, this is off the back of the investigations and the firings and the changings of personnel that are going on at uh, league executive level yep. and at various clubs because of the abuse allegations that came out this week. We, we talked about this on Monday's episode if you want to go and listen to it more in detail and obviously follow Meg Lillihan's continued coverage on that for The Athletic. She broke the story and it was her reporting that brought this to light. Um, the scenes were repeated in the Courage game which is obviously where Riley was coaching. This is during a week which has also seen abuse allegations in yep. Venezuela for the women's national team. And also in Australia, and investigations are going on and ongoing there. So yes, full support to the players there. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's go to Milan. Oh, if only. Sorry, sorry. Where Spain ended Italy's unbeaten run and the scenes were jubilant. Italy won, Spain two. Spain are into the final of the Nations League where they will play uh, the winner. Is it Belgium, France? Belgium, France, yeah. Belgium, France are playing on Thursday night. We'll maybe mention the final of the Nations League on Wright's House just before we, we do the, the 11. Yeah. Spain were good, man. Spain were very There's two things I want to say about this. Yes, Spain were very good. And also this game really mattered. It really mattered to Mm. both teams. You know, Italy are in a funny position because they won the Euros and now everyone's coming for them. And the question also having won the Euros is, do they have another level? Can they go to another level? Because 
it's clear to me that Spain can, right? It was mm. clear at the Euros that Spain basically, once they, once Spain sorted out their finishing, once one of those finishes started evolving, they were going to be very dangerous. Now, the bad news for world football in general is that Spain have evolved. Yeah. Do you want to know something interesting though? Look at the stats from last night and look at the stats for the game in the Euros. Basically the same. Well, Spain were incredible in that game. I mean, Spain were better, weren't they? Spain, the thing that let Spain down with the fin- was the finishing. Absolutely. And the difference here, of course, is, you know, Ayatharbal's been on fire for what, like a year now? Oh, dude, he's amazing. He's, he's amazing. He's so good. He's so There's good. a really good thing that Alexandra Johnson posted, actually, and she's a really good follower on th- all things La Liga. She wrote an interesting thing a while ago and, I, and she reposted it last night saying um, a lot of people asking why don't big clubs come in for Ayatharbal? And they have. And he just doesn't want to go. <laughs> I love this so much. Yeah, I love that. He just wants to. I mean, to be honest though, Real Sociedad, they won the Copa del Rey last year, right? Well, technically two years ago, but it was actually last year. No, this year. It was this year, but it was last year's Copa del Rey. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I got there. Go Inception, on. yeah. It's like wow. Dr. Strange. <laughs> oh God. Um, and, you know, they're, they're now moving into a position where they're kind of like consistently pushing for like top six, top seven getting into Europe. They're building something. They are building something. You're right. And if you live in San Sebastian and you're a Real Sociedad fan and you're playing for Real Sociedad and you're captain in Real Sociedad and you're playing for the Spanish national side. Nah. Why do you leave that? Why would you, you leave? leave? Yeah, you don't, you don't leave. leave. All your friends are there. People you grew up with. Like, you know. Exactly. And anyone who's been to San Sebastian will know we bang on about this all the time. It is like, it is not a town that you Leave lightly. Leave too, too <laughs> no, hell no. <laughs> and also, you think about what's going on at that club. You've still got Xabi Alonso coaching the bees. You get to enjoy all the football that you've always loved with all the friends you grew up with, with all the locals that you go and see, like all those intangible things. Like, you know, you offer someone, mm-hmm. oh, no, we're going to pay you all this money. And we're like, hang on a minute. But can you, what's the local community like? What are the vibes like? What's the food like? What's the, oh, sorry. We, we oh, the food is fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, but two assists for him. Oh, no, no, I mean elsewhere. I mean elsewhere. How do you sell oh, elsewhere? Good, how do you sell good food elsewhere? How do you do it? Well, I mean, ironically, they're in Milan. The food's not bad there. It's not shabby. Did you see there was a, there was a banner actually in the crowd before? Did you see it? Plus pasta, minus paella, like on a bed sheet. Like no, no, I didn't see it. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> There's good needle in this game. Actually, I like it. Um, so these teams, Germany, obviously have regrouped beautifully under Hansi Flick. But there was something about the fact that these two teams were ooh, controversial. Two of the most enterprising teams at the Euros. Not necessarily the two best, but two of the most enterprising teams at the Euros. Spain here, I mean, the headline, of course, is the debut of 17-year-old Gavi, who I still haven't, I will, full disclosure, I have not, I had not until this game really watched Gavi properly because he's only played, what, like four games of professional football? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um. But the fact that Spain matched, not matched, outmatched Italy in midfield in particular and attacked with such intense, such danger, like, you know, 2-1 was the scoreline, but does not reflect the dominance of Spain in, in large patches of the game. What was so interesting was the celebration of Luis Enrique at 2-0. Mm. Because if anyone was in any doubt about how much this game meant, not just in the context of this evening, but in the context of, of Qatar, because you know for a fact Spain have got an eye on that. Because mm-hmm. if you look at all the players Spain have to return to this lineup, Pedri has yet to return, and Sufati fully fit is yet to return, and that will bolster finishing. You know, Thiago's in the mix, not just for his play, but his experience in the squad. It is extremely exciting. This is one of these, you know, we, we said before, like the, the most exciting thing about a team or a player is when the peak is nowhere in sight. I can't see the Spain peak, and I can't see, I mean, I've just seen Gavi play once properly, frankly. But you look at this and you're like, you when you see Gavi playing and like this man is like he's been playing for Spain. This man is boy seventeen. He's seventeen. Like he's, he's been like playing new, for Spain he's, for three he's, years. He's like he's like people are calling him like the new Pedri. Pedri's only fucking eighteen. Yeah. Pedri just got here. Pedri's only eighteen. But like, the, but there's just there's a couple of things here. There's a serious thing. So like, yeah, I I think that like I don't mind the inclusion, but if we've seen what's happened with Pedri over the last year or so, yes. There, there comes an, a duty of care there where you have to mine their workload because you've seen so many players burst onto the scene at 16, 17, 18 yeah. and just be running to the ground so that they're done at like 32. Right. Especially in a COVID era where the schedule has been so relentless. Like the fact that Pedri 
went all season, then to the Euros, then to the Olympics, then came home, had less than a fortnight off, was back in training, playing for Barcelona, got injured, understandably, a thigh injury. You know, they need to manage the workload of these players. And I just hope that people are very, very sensible with... To be honest, they still need to be sensible with Pedri's workload, let alone Gavi's. Oh, absolutely with Pedri's. And it's kind of, look, I feel that, I mean, I don't, I don't know the inner workings of it, but the, the workload that he had, mm. it felt almost, it felt almost irresponsible. He's playing that much. Pedri. Like, yeah, it just, it mm. just felt, it felt like, you know, the fact that it became a, a joke or a meme, mm. the fact that he was, it was so visible. People were like, you know, because Pedri has the kind of style of play fun enough where, it does lend itself pretty well to playing a lot of games because he, you know, he doesn't, how do I say this? He's not thundering into challenges that yeah, uh, he's, he's, he's not, he's, he's not reckless. moving at a kind of like, he's not yeah, a he's, reckless yeah. footballer. Yeah. The problem is, I suppose, just the recovery time and the fatigue. That's the real problem. Yeah. So it won't be a dramatic thing. It'll be more like he might just tear something really badly one day and it'll be like, oh, we could have stopped that. That's why I could totally understand Gareth Southgate leaving out Jude Bellingham right, um, and Mason Greenwood actually because they don't need to be in that squad yet they don't have to be in that squad England should be okay without them right to be honest if they're relying on players that young to get them through at this stage of their careers anyway then there's a problem but they're not so I think leaving them out was totally understandable from a rest point of view and I think that's why yeah. because Bellingham got given some time off Greenwood probably will. Or if they don't get so much time off, at least they're just in light training and they don't have to travel and they don't have to go through all of that kind of extra strain. So I think it was actually super smart from from Gareth Southgate and I totally understood it. I hope that as people get more enamoured with these young players for Spain, Luis Enrique does the same thing. He's pretty good with that stuff though, isn't he? He's pretty good generally. I I hope so, yeah. And just with Barcelona, he was pretty good with that. I I seem to remember like, it's funny because there was talk on Twitter about you know, Luis Enrique would be a great coach for Barca. And I just thought, it's funny because a lot of people didn't appreciate him. He was there. Like he was no, really no, not appreciated. Yeah, yeah. Right. People wanted him gone before Christmas that year. I loved him as Barcelona coach. I loved him. The year they won the treble. Yeah. He very nearly went before Christmas. And we're just going to memory hold that like it didn't happen. Like- That's the thing. <laughs> this is the thing about Barcelona coaches. Like when I put a thing up the other day as, a, as Valverde, as a suggestion for a Manchester United manager, I think it was uh, Scams put put the thing up saying, no Conte, if you take Conte or Zidane out of it, realistic options only. And I said, well, I think I just went Valverde. Right. And there was a couple of, there were a couple of people who were just like, Barcelona fans hated him. And I was just like, mm, I'm sure some did. Right. But also, he only got fired like less than two years ago. Right, right. Absolutely. He papered over the cracks. My reasoning behind Valverde is a suggestion for Manchester United managers is that very calm. He's done it at the highest level. He's coached extremely big personalities and he's coached at a club with extremely big ambitions and expectations. I think there are far worse managers to go after than him. I agree. Anyway, back to Italy, Spain. Uh, so Spain taking the lead, going 2-0 up bef- just before, just before half time in stoppage time at the end of the first half after Bonucci had seen red um, for a second yellow on Busquets. Pretty fair? He didn't really even seem to complain, did he? I thought so. I thought it was fair. I thought it was fair. Yeah. But then, Italy getting a goal back. A little bit too late though, wasn't it? is just leaping on the counter. Poor Pal Torres. In a foot race with Chiesa. On the halfway line. You've got Chiesa charging down on you and you're like... Uh... That's the most miserable foot race I've seen since, I've mentioned it before, Meza Ozil. And Gareth Barry in the 2010 World Cup. That was absolutely, you know, when you, like, you can't see into the minds of footballers, but I know one thing when I see it, and it's a player who would rather be anywhere else. Yeah. And at that point, Gareth Barry would rather been anywhere else, but chasing Mesut Ozil. <laughs> Peak Mesut Ozil. And Torres would have rather been anywhere else. The worst thing with like Mesut Ozil and, and Chiesa is, they have different running styles, right? But they're, they're gone. Like Chiesa was like a locomotive. You know that nickname that Cafu had, Pendolino, the, the commuter. <laughs> yeah. 
If you've ever caught a train in Italy, right? Those trains that go like north to south. <laughs> and you see that train go through your station, like nothing is stopping that. That, that is Chiesa. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Because, yeah, Mesut Ozil is not known for someone who, with like huge bursts of energy, let's say, but he was low-key rapid. He was, he was. I mean, I told him to get away from people really, really easily. I saw him a friendly when he played for Verde Bremen and I was just like, this man shifts. And the weird thing is his feet don't seem to be moving faster. He glide, yeah, he glides. And then you watch someone, it's like, it's like ice skating, like you see the blade go over the ice and then you look at the person next to me like, oh, Ozil's going really quick. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Chiesa is like, I half expected to hear train noises. <laughs> He's going down the middle, just burning it. But what I love about it was, what I love about Chiesa is the unselfishness to square it to Pellegrini after all yep. of that. A lot, a lot of forwards. Uh, I know, I know. When their blood was up. Yep, I agree. You know, not, gonna, not to mention names, Diego Jota, but we saw you at the Euros. Oh. <laughs> there he is. No, 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 it's, it's, I'm not, it's, not, it's not a personal thing. It's when your blood is up as a forward and you're there and you've seen it so many times, it feels natural to apply the finishing touch. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he squared it. And like, you know, Ped, we saw it with, um, we see it with countless, we've seen it for Spain players before. Pedro, um, Pedro did it. World Cup semis in 2010. You make the break and glory is at hand. And the presence of mind to square it at that point for Pellegrini, who's having a really great season as well, actually, yeah. so far. And just a great game. And I love that this, you, you saw Chiesa's reaction at the end when they'd lost. And he was lying there on the turf thinking, well, you know, we're out now. And it's, it's, a, home, it's a home tournament, right? The Nations League could have won. Imagine what it would have been for Italy to win back-to-back tournaments, including one at home as European Championships, going towards the World Cup. Just an incredible Philip for them. They're not going to get now. And Chiesa's reaction, his disappointment, the final whistle showed you how much this mattered. Mm. Yeah. This is a, this is a rivalry that will be resumed with great intensity. I think. It was a really fun game to watch. Like rewatching it back. It was. <laughs> I like the nation. I like the nation's league. I've got to say. I international like football. That is actually in quite a good place. Men's international football. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably in a better place than it's been for a while. You know, what's funny. We need to get into this at some point. We won't discuss it now because it's busy, but we, we, we come to the end. But at some point, these proposals have the World Cup every two years. Oh, we need to talk about Isn't that. Isn't it yeah. funny? Just as UEFA really work out international football for UEFA, FIFA comes in with a plan. Like, no. It all, it, all doesn't mean, it all feels like everything is kind of, UEFA have got this. There's problems, but in terms of the Nations League and the restructuring, they've done the work. And now FIFA are coming along trying to scupper that. It's like, Yeah, but also though, UEFA... Yeah, UEFA have done fairly well at kind of... The international. At just making people think that they're actually all right. And they're not. And they're, they're reforming the Champions League, for example. Like, Yeah, that is a black the, mark. The Champions League returning this... We'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit more detail. Maybe we'll do it all in the same, same episode. But like, Champions League return, how great it was. And, and there's, there's this bit of sadness in the back of your head being like, yeah, but it's going to change in a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be crap. <laughs> so uh, another thing we need to talk about, we'll probably do it maybe next week or when it's finalized is the takeover of Newcastle is back on. So yeah, we need to do all of those episodes actually, because oh, it's going to be one of those cheerful episodes where <laughs> you and me just are like, what the fuck is football anymore? And one of us, one of us talks, and everyone's like ad-libbing, go, yeah, more, more, more. Uh, yeah, uh, agree, uh, uh, yeah, on time. Uh, yeah, that's right, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Mm. <laughs> like a f- uh, one great football war dub. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Stadio just called for all of football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the smoke. Come at us. I don't know whether to leave it there or not. Yeah, let's bounce. It's good. Can I say this? As a midweek of games, the three main games I was paying attention to were the, you know, the two Champions League fixtures, Women's Champions League and mm. the Nations League. You were good, hard, huh? hard pressed to pick three fixtures that you, ha- you, know, you really had to watch that you so enjoyed watching. Yeah, they were all really good, I okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really good. And what I love about them is they all taught us something. You know that you wrote that, that piece about Aleti and Barca? Mm. They all taught us something about the direction of travel for each of the six teams involved. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. They all no, sort of said something. Yeah, yeah. I think that's they all fair. And I think games like that are really, are really intriguing when you come when you come out of that and it gets you thinking. You're like, oh, okay, right. Yeah, that's where that's going. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, thank you, football. We often criticise you, but this week I'm grateful. Oh, I love you, but I hate you. It's so confusing, football. It's like my relationship <laughs> with you. <laughs> <laughs> and yet here I am again, the final boss of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> <What am I doing? laughs> 
I think we should get out of here. Let's do it. I hope everyone's staying safe and well. Getting vaxxed if you can. Uh, don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Sure. Have you had a piece go up this week? Uh, not this week, no. Next not week? This, uh, probably. Probably get something. Uh, I, if you haven't read it, I wrote a piece about Atleti Barca. That's up on the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Don't forget to check Wright's House if you haven't already. And remember, no stadio on Monday, but Wright's House will be up Tuesday afternoon, evening, European time. If you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. Be very kind. And Stanley White Choice Plays on Spotify. Just search for that to listen to all the music we play out on each episode. Speaking of which, this episode we are playing out on Peace by The Us. I think that's everything. Anything to add me, Sokwanga? Nothing further, Your Honour. Lovely. Stop calling me Your Honour. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not a judge. <laughs> Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Take care.